Okay, we're going to start in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. That singing sounded great on a Thursday night. Thank you. 1 Timothy chapter 2. If one were to just take a careful, honest look at our nation, which is probably the best on earth, then travel to Europe and South Central America and then travel to communist Asia, so much of Asia under communism, and down into Africa. You, you would think that the whole world over, men and women would be saying, there must be a better way to live than the way we're living. There, there must be some guidance somewhere that could lead us out of this darkness, this chaos, this murder, this violence. And when you offer it to them, they tell you you're hateful, you're judgmental, you're bigoted, you're sexist, you're whatever, whatever the other words that second graders hurl at other second graders when they're having an argument on the playground. I, I found in my life, and millions of other people have found in their life, that faith in Jesus Christ and obedience to the Word of God brings you out of darkness and into light, brings you out of confusion and into, into clarity, brings you out of despair and into joy. And wherever I see men or women submit themselves to the Word of God, I see their life improve, I see it becoming more abundant, I, I see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I, I see these things in their lives, and wherever I see the Bible rejected, I see anger and bitterness and discontentment, and it, it's just honestly, it's a great mystery to me why people find the Bible so offensive when they're so unhappy with the lives they're living and with everyone who won't tell them your life is wonderful, it's like, my life was miserable. I don't want a pat on the back. I want a way out. But the world is demanding a, a pat on the back for all manner of perversion and confusion and, and evil. So having said all that, I'm going to read you something that the Bible says. God says, this is the God who sent His Son to die for all men, all women everywhere, raised his son from the dead that everyone might have their sins forgiven, have eternal life. Chapter 2 and verse number 9, like men are also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, uh, that is uh, right on the outside and right on the inside. You're, you're proper in your, in your appearance and your, your outward conduct, and you're also sane. You're, you're in your right mind. Not with broided hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. He's not saying don't, don't fix your hair and don't put on a necklace and, and, and don't put on nice clothes. He said don't put on all that and forget to put on good works. Because if, if, you're, if you're beautifully dressed and, and beautifully uh, adorned and, and you have a beautiful smile, but your life is not beautiful, You've, you've missed out on, on what God would have for you. Let the woman, let, 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 not force, not make, not compel, not demand, let, allow the woman, uh, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. 
But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So when you read that passage, the woman pastor objects to the Word of God. The woman priest objects to the Word of God. The woman evangelist objects to the Word of God. And, and all the women who have been waiting for a champion to tell them you can follow Christ and rebel against the words of Christ all echo the same sentiment. Well, that's just what Paul said, and Paul hated women. Uh, first of all, there's no indication anywhere in Scripture that Paul hated anyone. But you live in a day and time when if you don't agree with me, I define that as hatred. If you say I love hamburgers and I say I prefer chicken, that doesn't mean I hate you. It means we, we, we disagree. And if you say you're a man when you're a woman and I say we're not playing that game, you're a man who wants me to, to pretend that you're a woman, uh, that's not hatred. If a kid comes in here in a Batman suit and says I'm Batman, He's entitled to have a good time, but we're not all going to pretend he's Batman. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it's, and we don't hate the kid. It's not hatred. And so the Bible doesn't hate women. Christ doesn't hate women. You have a society that's in ruins, and God has given the church an assignment. Reset what works so people can see what works working and have the courage and, and the hope to go home and try what they see in church so that their house can be as happy as God's house. Now when people come to God's house and God's house is allowed to be or compelled to be out of order, there is no hope for them to go home and have their houses to be in order. And so the Bible has, everything comes with a context. Look at chapter 3 and verse number 14. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So when we read... Uh, uh, let not the woman uh, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Where? House of God. I suffer not a woman teacher or serpent or man be in silence. So where is the woman not to teach? Where is the woman not to have place of, of authority in the house of God? He didn't say that a woman is not allowed to speak from birth to death. <laughs> You've got to have some context here. Now, let's go again back to chapter number 2. Let me, hear you, let me tell you some things you've never heard. Verse number 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, of all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, that's just Paul. There is one God and one medium between God and men, the mind of Christ Jesus. That's just Paul. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. That's just Paul. I suffer not a woman to teach, but you, nor usurp authority of the man. That's just, how come yeah, yeah, yeah. one verse is that's just Paul, right. and the verses everybody likes are not that's just Paul? 
Come on, that's, that's really dishonest. That's a very, very dishonest approach to the Bible. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Good place to start. Genesis chapter number 1. And see if we can sort this out a little bit and help you. My, my goal is not to, quote unquote, shove the Bible down your throat. Um, your throat's not large enough. My Bible's pretty big. My purpose is to persuade you that God has your best interest in his heart and wants you to believe that in your heart. So, Judges chapter 1 and verse number 26, and God said, let us make man in our image. God's a trinity. God, singular, said let us, plural, make man after our image and our likeness. Man's a trinity, spirit and soul and a body. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the, all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So if you reject the Bible, you will put animals on an equal footing with man. You will, you will give animals rights. You, you will protect animals and kill babies. And that's all a result of rejecting the Bible. You will consider the earth more important than the human beings dwelling on the earth. And when the Lord told you to be concerned about saving souls, you'll be trying to save the earth. Look, all this starts in Genesis chapter 1. You reject the first chapter of Genesis. You don't believe in creation. You get animals and man in the wrong order. You get man and the earth in the wrong order. Stay with me. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created he them, period. He didn't make 53 varieties like Ben and Jerry's. Just two. Male, female. That's it. That, that's what God made. Now, if you have something beyond that, you made that. God didn't make that. That's so hateful. I'm just giving you a book report. Just say, I don't believe the Bible, and I will say, I believe the Bible, and that's our fundamental difference. Sure. Yes, sir. Sure. Okay, so verse 28, God bless them, God send them to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Dominion. God gave dominion over fish, fowl, uh, cows, chickens, pigs. Amen. Right? Amen. All right, so chapter 2 and verse number 20. Uh, Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. So God, God makes the man. God puts man in the garden God made. God gave man dominion over all things. Adam saw all the beasts of the field God had made and didn't see anything among all of that which God had made that was a, that was a fitting help for him. That's what you just read. Yes, sir. Adam needed help doing what? Having dominion over the earth. Okay, verse 21. Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said this, Now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she should be called woman, because she was taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave uh, unto his wife, and they should become one flesh. So God 
specially makes this woman for this man. He put the man asleep to do it so he wouldn't get any advice or, or uh, in, instruction as to how, to how to accomplish that purpose. And as I've said many times, he didn't take a foot bone so the man could walk on her, and he didn't take a piece of his skull so she could think for him. He took a rib so they could spend their lives side by side serving God. Now, what is Adam's task? Having dominion over the earth. What is the woman's task? Helping the man. He does his job. She does her job. Everything goes, yeah. goes just fine. All right, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Now the serpent was, because what he is now is what he was, and what, is, what he was, what he is now. More so than any beast of the fields the Lord God had made, he said unto the woman, Yea, if God said, Ye should not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye should not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The serpent immediately goes after the woman with a twofold attack. Number one, what God said is not true and cannot be trusted. And number two, God has kept something back from you and you're entitled to it. Now the serpent was. And that's exactly what he tells every woman today. God's word cannot be trusted and God is keeping you back from something that, that you deserve or that you should have. It's just not fair that you don't have what the man has. That's good. Good preaching. Verse number six, and when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and, uh, and down goes the human race. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, we, we won't read the whole chapter, God has a creative day, sees what He made, it's good. Creative day, sees what He made, it's good. It's good. God saw that it was good. God saw it was good. God saw it was good. At the end of that week, God saw everything He made, and behold, it was very good. So what do you gain by eating a tree of the knowledge of good and evil when you already have the knowledge of good? The only thing you have to gain is the knowledge of evil. And what Satan wants to tempt men and women, old people and young people, what he wants to tempt you to do is doubt the Word of God so he can draw you into that which is hurtful to you, away from what God has already given you, which is blessed to you and for you. And that's, that's ever and always the temptation. Now, this woman ate of the tree, the man ate of the tree. God comes in the garden to rescue them, praise the Lord. God comes in the garden to help them. And here comes the, oh, here comes the awful passage. You ready? Verse number 16. Woman said, uh, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Oh, I can't believe God would say that her desire is supposed to be to her husband. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When God made her, he made her to be a help for her husband. When the serpent came in, he shifted her desire 
from doing what God made her to do to eating that fruit so she could be as God. Her desire shifted from a desire to be what God made me to be to a desire to be God. When the Lord comes in the garden to that woman, he didn't kill her. He made a covering for her. He didn't destroy her. He made a way for her to live and said, let's reset your desire. You want to be saved in childbearing? 1 Timothy chapter 2, reset your desire. Stop desiring to be your own God and desire to be what God made you to be. He's not out to get you. Well, what about this? And he shall rule over thee. All right, back to 1 Timothy. Back to 1 Timothy. If you just let the Bible define itself instead of listening to people who hate the Bible on the Internet, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number... Uh, one, this true saying, a man desireth the office of bishop, he desireth a good work, a bishop then must be blameless, husband one wife, vigilant, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Now, now stop for a minute. So to this man that's, that's aiming to be, desiring to be a leader in, in God's church, God says he's only allowed to have one wife. Well, that's just Paul. <laughs> Why can't he have three wives? Why can't he get rid of one every time he gets tired of her and then run for president or uh, <laughs> in either party? It's an odd thing that a, that a married woman would object to what the Bible says about women when what the Bible says on behalf of women is so beneficial. Hollywood doesn't tell your husband to stay with you all your life. The news media, the movies, they don't tell you to stay with your husband all your life. The, the social networks don't tell your husband to stay with you all your life. God says, that's your wife till you die. You, you'd think a married woman liked the Bible. Unless he's not dying quick enough. I mean, that's, that's a little... <laughs> That's, that's a whole, whole other subject there. Now, now verse 4. Now watch. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Now why did it say having his wife in subjection with all gravity? Because he's not called upon to make her be in subjection. She's called upon to allow him to, uh, to allow herself the place of subjection. Right. It's not up to the man to, well, God, you're going to obey me. Yeah, see how that works. Right. <laughs> if she's not going to obey God, she's not going to obey you. Right. Well, I'll quote verses to her. Yeah, that works about as well as when she quotes them to you. <laughs> now watch. One that rules his own house, verse 5, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So what's the Bible definition of ruling? Yeah. Taking care of. 
This thing first shows up in Genesis when Joseph was made ruler in Egypt during a famine, which meant he made sure everyone had enough food to survive. He took care of all the people in Egypt as their ruler. What is, what, is, what for Hebrews chapter 13, what are, what are the pastors supposed to do in a church? Rule. Meaning what? Take care of everybody in that church and everything in that church. Not run their lives. So Satan says, you don't want a man ruling over you. Okay, what's the alternative? You don't want a man that's going to be true to you all the days of his life till he dies and take care of you. You need to get out there and be your own God. How's that worked out? Everyone here who remembers growing up with dad at work and mom at home knows that was a better society. Amen. Better for the men, better for the women, better for the children. Now, uh, this, this, this the cost of everything, no, I'm not getting into all that. I'm simply telling you, when God set this thing up, he wasn't trying to hurt the woman by saying, you stay with your father all your life and he'll take care of you. If you meet a man and you want to leave your father and make sure that man can take care of you all your life, and then your father will entrust you to that man. But how, how do you view God hating women when God put this thing in place where somebody's got to protect you and provide for you and take care of you all the days of your life? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And all God asks in return is that you be a help to that man, not a thorn in his flesh and, and not a grief to his heart. That's all he asks. And so what's the issue, whether it's just pick any problem in our society, uh, which they just seem to be pressing upon our church all the time these days, what's the issue? I'm my own God. I define my own words. I define righteousness. I define marriage. I define sanity. I define gender. I define faith. I define salvation. I'm as God. And when you say, no, 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 you're not God. I'm not God. God is God. And in his book, God said, why is that viewed as hateful or mean-spirited or cruel? Because one God doesn't recognize the authority of the other God. And I don't care if you're 17 or 77, you've got to get over this idea that the highest authority in your life is how you feel about things and what you think about something because it's very hurtful to you. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. And verse number 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. That's pretty easy to understand, wouldn't you say? Now, if you believe Genesis... I mean, you can't read 1 Corinthians and say, well, that's just Paul. Paul's, did Paul write Genesis? <laughs> yes, sir. Right. 
So here's the man. He's got a big job to do, and he can't do it by himself. He's got to have dominion over the earth. It's more than he can handle. God makes a woman for the man to help him. And he's got to be fruitful and multiply. So good thing God didn't bake him a cake with two grooms. <laughs> or he couldn't do the job. There you go being hateful. I'm not being hateful. Use your brain. <laughs> Adam's got a job to do and he can't do it with another guy. No babies. This is me, Mr. So-and-so, and this is my husband, Mr. So-and-so, and these are our children. They're, no, no. These are our adopted children, or these are our surrogated children, but those aren't your children. Doesn't work that way. We don't believe the Bible, we believe in science. Nothing more unscientific than that. <laughs> That's not science. So, ladies, mothers, wives, we need you. <laughs> we, we can't dominate the earth alone. We need the help of the woman. Now, there are men who have quite successfully navigated this life for God and, and for business, finance, one of the cases. Paul, Paul didn't marry, as far as we know, Paul didn't marry. And was very, very successful, accomplished great things. And he said, he said, if, if you can handle it, you're better off living like I am than, than being married. That's what he said. Well, that's, nobody says, well, that's just Paul. <laughs> <laughs> that was just Paul. And... And so it's not a requirement that a man get married. It's not a requirement the woman gets married. If you study 1 Corinthians, it brings a whole new set of trials and, and burdens and troubles into your life. But we're talking about what, what, what God specifically says, and here's the next point in the outline. I've got to stay on track. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 Verse 26, how is it then, brethren, when ye come together, is he talking about their home life? Is he talking about their assembled church gatherings, church services? When you come together, everyone of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unedifying. Uh, Many speaking unknown tongue, any man speaking unknown tongue, let it be by two at most by three, and that by course, let one interpret. So if you go to a church where people speak in tongues and four people do it, God's not in that. Yes, sir. If you go to a church where people speak in tongues and two people do it at the same time, God's not in that. Because yeah. yes, that's not how God told you to do it. God said, God who wrote the Bible said, two at the most three, that by course, one at a time, and let one interpret. If three people speak in tongues and nobody can interpret, all three of those people are out of order. Yeah. Yes, sir. God, God wasn't in it. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So God just said right there, if a man is going to speak in tongues without an interpreter, or if he's the fourth person to speak in tongues, or somebody else is already speaking in tongues, he is to keep silence in the church. 
Would, anybody got a problem with, with God saying that? No. Speak now or forever hold you? Okay, good. Nobody has a problem with that. <laughs> Nobody's going to commit to having a problem with Verse 29, let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. So you can have two people give a testimony or give out a verse of scripture or a passage like we do in, in our communion service. Uh, just two, maybe three. And if what they say is incorrect, it's got to be called out right there and then lest everybody go home thinking what that guy said was right when it wasn't right. Thing revealed to another sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. Uh, brother, can I add to that? No, I'm not finished yet. Okay, then I won't talk. Brother, can I add to that? Sure, I yield the floor to, uh, to the brother that's got a better idea. All right, 31. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So if you say, well, the spirit came over me and I just had to speak in tongues, that's not what the Bible says. Well, three guys had already spoken in tongues, but the Spirit came over me and I just had to. That's not what the Bible says. If you can't control yourself so that what you're doing is what the Bible teaches, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a rebellious human spirit. That, that's what you just read. Okay. <laughs> For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let, here's there's that word again, your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted Joyce Meyer to speak. But, but, but God called, he, God doesn't call people to disobey him. Why do you have to mention her? Oh, pick your favorite. That that's just happens to be the only one I know right now. Oh. Oh, you don't know so-and-so? And -so? No, I, I really don't. I, don't. I don't know any other woman preacher. There used to be one, Marilyn Hickey. I remember her. She, she's still around. Gary, she used to watch her. <laughs> but let you women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted on them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if any will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Why well, just don't... Uh, verse 36, what? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? It's almost like the Lord thought somebody would object to what he just said. <laughs> and responds to their objection 2,000 years before it's raised. Wait a minute. What's the source of the Word of God? You or God? And then you go right back to Genesis 3. But I am as God. I know good and evil. And we say, no, we reject that position as satanic. We recognize it in the third chapter of Genesis, and we're going to stick with the scriptural position. Now, that certainly, God certainly doesn't state, much less suggest, that men are less, uh, women are less spiritual than men, women are less knowledgeable than men, women don't know the Bible as well as men. Not at all. What the Lord is trying to do is have one place on earth free from confusion in a world that is very confused. 
And you don't have to like this. You can argue with me that I'm not a sociologist, and you can argue with me that I, I, I don't have six degrees in psychology, thank God, and, and all the rest of that. But if God ordained that the home have a male ruler and a vast number of people growing up in your society have never had a male ruler, it is no reason they are, no wonder they are confused about their sexuality or their gender or their purpose in life or their role in society because they have been living in a situation that is out of order. And God help us if they come to church and see us promoting the same disorder that results in such confusion. Okay, we're not, we're not, we're not being mean-spirited or hateful. We're saying those boys in that gang needed a daddy. And those boys in those skirts needed a daddy. And those boys in that prison needed a father's discipline and correction. They're confused about right and wrong. They're confused about punishment and consequences. They're, they're confused about everything. And what society is continually doing is putting pressure on me, on you, on churches like ours, on preachers like me to join the confusion so that we don't get called names by confused people. And it's wearisome. It's, it's, as we said when we entered First Timothy, it's a fight. But you shouldn't have to be fighting the saved people. Take a look. Verse number, verse number 17. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So this idea that I'm so spiritual I don't have to obey the Bible is refuted in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 37. If you think you're spiritual, you want to prove you're spiritual, do what the Bible says. Don't go against the Bible. That proves you're not spiritual, but are carnal and, and confused. All right, so come to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. So the Bible never suggests that women are not to have leadership roles and preaching roles and speaking roles in the assembled church service because she's inferior in, in spirituality or in knowledge or in gifts or in salvation or in humanity or any of that. It's that God, come on, think with me for a minute. Corinth is a city of debauchery, perversion, idolatry of the, of the grossest kind. Should the church go to Corinth and just adapt to the culture and sprinkle Jesus on top of it? Or should the church establish something that's very, very different than Corinthian culture so that when the Corinthian people come to church, they can see how they're supposed to live instead of how their ancestors have lived for centuries? Yeah. 
Thessalonica, Athens, Rome, any of these cities, they're, they're just horrific. You just have to read the history. It's almost like going to Philadelphia or Chicago or Los Angeles or San Francisco. <laughs> well, should the church establish itself in that town and run ads and say, we're just like you? You tell us what you want in a church and we'll be that. How does that help? It doesn't help. We don't need to send Steve and Laura to Africa to continue to promote tribal uh, voodoo ceremonies. We need to go there and, and be different. Biblically different. So the purpose of these instructions given to the church is so men who've never been taught God's role for men and women who've never been taught God's role for women and children who've never seen a functioning, working, happy home can see in the church, wow, you've got a pastor, you've got a congregation, you've got bishops and deacons, you have their wives. I see all these happy families. I see all these happy people. This is so different from what I've known all my life. This must work. Let me try it at home. Yeah. That's, that's the purpose. Yeah. So look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. This true saying, a man desires the office of bishop. He desires the good work. A bishop that must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Now, we, we touched on that from a different angle, but here we are. So you're looking for a man to assist the pastor in the spiritual leadership of the church. You know what that man needs? Help. The, the bishop is going to be recognized. This is one of the leading examples of Christianity in our church. How do you get that way? It took some help. You don't make a single man a bishop... Well, biblically, you're not supposed to, because he's going to need some help having dominion. He's going to need some help ruling the house of God. Who's his help meet? Well, you don't want to be some other woman in the church. <laughs> you want to be his wife. Look down to verse number, verse number uh, 11. Or, or nine, nine, nine. Likewise must the deacons be in the grave. <laughs> deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given much wine, uh, not greedy, filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith and pure conscience. Let these also first be proved. Let them use the office of deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife ruling their children, their own house as well. Now, look at verse number 10. Let these also first be proved. So, here's the situation. God wants the church to be the example that carries into the home, and then the home carries over and converts and preserves the society. You don't make a man a deacon who hasn't proven that he knows how to, we read it, rule his own house. But if his wife isn't on board with that, he can't rule his own house. So, so listen to what I'm saying. I know this woman. She knows her Bible. She studies her Bible. She prays. She witnesses. She's a great Christian. Why can't she be a preacher? Because for her to do that would take her out of the realm of great Christian and put her in the realm of disobedient Christian. 
I know this man. He knows the Bible. He prays. He's a soul winner. He's a great Christian. He loves the Lord. He's a super nice guy. Why can't he be a deacon? Because his wife runs his home. Well, that's just not fair. It's not about fair. It's about this place is supposed to show everyone who comes to this place how God's way works. And so the men have to buy into God's way and the women have to buy into God's way. And when the people come and see that God's way works, they take it home, they put it in practice in their home, and before long, you're not having to stuff the ballot box or get dead people to vote for, for your side. The society gets converted because people begin to live like Christians. You got these churches now, they're in disobedience going out there trying to get disobedient people to live like Christians. <laughs> the whole thing's, again, confusion. Why don't these politicians act like Christians? Because they're not. Why don't my neighbors act like Christians? Because they're not. Well, they shouldn't say, how come the churches don't act like Christians? And you got a woman priest coming to a church near you. You've already got some in your town. How does that happen? The serpent said, God didn't mean what he said. Why don't you just exalt yourself and be as a God? I mean, you know good and evil as well as anybody else. Just do what the, what the Spirit leads you to do. So, so this is our situation, and this is why people come, oh, I love this church, I love this church, I love this church, I'm never coming here again. <laughs> what happened, we are, we, are as, as, tr we are striving to be loving and gracious and kind and, and, and polite, but we're not going to throw the Bible away because you're confused. Yeah. We're going to stay with the Bible and hope to bring you out of confusion. All right, Isaiah chapter 3. Be a nice place to finish up our midweek get-together. Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah 3. Verse 11, Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, that would be children and women, cause thee to err, that would be the men, and destroy the way of thy paths. So this is pretty, pretty simple. It's not real deep. It's real simple. If there's a man in the home and a four-year-old in the home, and the four-year-old runs the home, the man is a failure. If a man can't control a four-year-old, there's no hope he's going to control a 14-year-old. So you've got to step up and stop letting the kid have his way and teach that child that it's going to be your way. 
Well, don't you think? No, it doesn't matter what I think or what you think. We're not to be as gods. We're to follow God. You got a city full of, God help you. You have a city full of trained police officers, ex-military men, SWAT teams, firefighters, and you can't control a gang of 20 teenagers? You know why? Because the women on your city council think it's mean. And so children oppress you because women are your rulers. Every one of these cities that's out of control and doesn't know what to do about their crime and their violence and their murder and their killing, they got women DAs and women judges and women city council, and women are kind and loving and gracious, and shouldn't we just be nice and shouldn't we just be compassionate? You're going to get yourself killed. You need a man to turn the men loose on the boys. You, you can be quiet, it's okay, don't, don't commit yourself. But you really need to turn that TV off. It's warping your mind. Men are supposed to rule children. Well, for how long? If a man knows how to rule his own house, you can do what I say, or you can go pay your own rent. Do what I say, or get a, get a roof over your own head. You're going to sit in my house, eat my groceries, put your hind in and my furniture, eat meals that my wife cooks for you. You're going to shut your mouth and do what I tell you. And if you're not, get, get a bunch of your smart friends and go rent a house together and fight with each other. You know, you know where that doesn't happen? Where the man checked out 10 years ago. Or where the woman ran the man off 10 years ago. You're not helping yourself. God didn't task the woman with keeping those teenage boys in line. God tasked the man with that. And somebody sold you a lie when they told... Every time you told... And she's a single mom. Give her a trophy. She's a single mom. Put a crown on her head. Listen, nobody's... We're not, we're not looking down our nose at women who have children and they're not married. We're telling you the idea that that's the best situation for you is hurtful to you. I'm not trying to be mean. God said, women rule over you. Well, bless God, I'm a conservative. You know, the last five champion, heroic, conservative women you sent to Congress all dumped their husbands. What exactly are they conserving? <laughs> we're not conservatives. We're Christians. Conservatives are, that, that's so far from Bible, you, you couldn't even, you, you wonder if you can see one from the other. All right, so as for my people, children, they're oppressors, women rule over them. O oh, my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. So, <laughs> about the last 10 years, so you know what celebrity is? That's people we celebrate. You have these people on TV and on the internet um, called the Kartrashians. Yeah. 
Now, women are all a bunch of whores. Came, came to fame by, by playing the whore. And the dad checked out after helping a killer walk. And a, and a substitute dad came in. And the whole thing was so confusing that he decided he was a woman. Do you know how fouled up a country has to be to get up every day and, and go online to see what those people are doing? Yeah. Amen. How sick you, I mean, think how sick you have to be to be keeping up with the Kartrashians. It's really amazing. I mean, I remember Bruce Jenner was on the Wheaties box, not, not the Fruit Loops box. It was a, just a, there you go, being hateful. No, it's, it's, it's messed up. It's messed up. There's no, there's, no, there's no husband there. There's no father there. There's no man there. Girls are garbage. Think there's a boy in there somewhere, a feminine fella. And, and that's who America looks to. For what purpose? Satan, Satan is trying to normalize what hurts people and make, make people that do things God's way seem abnormal and mean and hateful. And he's done a great job of it. And these churches that cave into it because they don't want to take the heat from staying with the Bible are just contributing to the problem. If you don't like that, you don't agree with that, there are 50 churches in town that will let you be your own God. Go to one of them and be as happy as you can. We're not going to give up the Bible just because somebody doesn't want to give up error. And we got several happy wives here. Two semi-happy wives and a couple that really struggling. Who are they? I'm not telling you. I'm, look, I'm looking right at the back wall there. And we got some happy men here, and we got some struggling men, we got some unhappy men here. I mean, we're all a different place in our, in our Christian walk. We're all a different, different place. But when God zeroes in on the ladies and says, let them, let them, let them, not force them, let them, enjoy the place that God made for them so they could be safe and cared for and contented and happy, why would we fight against that? And why would you consider people who go along with that to be hateful toward women? We're the ones who want them in the center of God's blessing. Not fighting against it to their own hurt. Amen. All right. Well, that's uh, something you don't hear every day. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a, a, a mother that believed the Bible and a mother-in-law believe that believes the Bible and a wife that believes the Bible and a church full of ladies that believes the Bible, and I pray that you'd protect them from the influences of a society that would have them desire fruit offered them by a serpent rather than desire the place that you made for them where they could be content and safe and happy. Help us, Lord, all of us, men and women, 
young people, old people alike, help us to trust the Bible and give it a chance to work in our lives, please. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.